You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Who wants to know God better? Couple of us here, that's good. Let's try that again. Who wants to know God better? Hey, that's better. You know, if we're, if we're here today, either as a Christian, or maybe we're here or we're watching online as someone who is seeking spiritual truth, I'm guessing that either we came through these physical doors or we came through an online door, so to speak, because our hope is that foundationally we would get to know God better this morning. If not, I think you'd probably be doing something else with your Sunday morning, wouldn't you? So, a common desire. We want to know God better, but how do we do that? How do we get to know God better? How has God asked us, what means has God given us to know him better? Now, as you know, there are so many ways that we can get to know God experience God and grow in our relationship with him. We can talk with God. We can, we can meditate on his wonders. We can marvel at the beauty, beauty of the world around us that was formed by his very hands. We can do that through the enjoyment of relationships with other people and that he has made. And we can also do that through dreams and visions, all ways that we can get to know and experience and grow in relationship with God. However, however, God in all his wisdom has chosen the scriptures. He's chosen the scriptures as the primary vehicle through which he reveals the wisdom and love of God. The Bible is God's revealed word to humanity. Now, we're not going to go into it this morning. There are so many great messages and resources available that outline and beautifully explain why the Bible is the Word of God. We're not going to go there today, but if you're keen and maybe you're seeking and you're like, how can a book of 66 different books written by countless different authors possibly be the Word of God? It's a good question. Sounds like you need some answers for that. If you're looking and searching for answers like that, I'm more than happy to resource you and point you in the right direction because if you're seeking spiritual truth and you want to be confident that you can touch that you can trust the bible um, you can be confident because the bible is god's word of god and i'm happy to resource you to lead you in that way you know for millennia for millennia before christ the jewish people held the scriptures to be god's revealed word to his people jesus himself God in the flesh. Jesus affirmed the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms to be God's very message to his people. It's what we would now term the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul, who lived contemporary to and then immediately after Jesus, he wrote this in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. He writes, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You know, early church, 
believers understood that Scripture was so much more than a collection of just different wisdom writings written by a whole lot of different people. They understood that Scripture was breathed out by God. Breathed is the um, Greek word theonoustos, which, funnily enough, means literally breathed out by or inspired by God. So followers of Yahweh, a term of Jesus for the Jewish people, living in Old and New Testament times, they believed that the Bible was truly God's word, authored and written by human hands, yes, while being divinely inspired by God himself. And as followers of Jesus today, this is our belief too. This is our belief. On the basis of faith, the evidence to support its claims, and the affirmation of God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we understand the Bible to be the very Word of God. Now, in saying all of this, I'm sure you'd agree with and would probably appreciate me saying what I'm about to say right now. While we understand the Bible to be the Word of God and see Scripture as the primary vehicle, the primary way through which we can know and and grow in relationship with Jesus and understand the wisdom and love of God to us, the Bible's not always an easy book to engage with. The Bible's not always an easy book for us to engage with and understand. Maybe, Maybe this is just me, but let's run with this. You know, we find some passages to be really easy to read, easy to interpret, easy to accept. And we find others to be, quite bluntly, deeply offensive. We find them to be really hard to stomach. Where we can handle, we're happy to tell people about the God of John 3.16. Yeah? But when it comes to the God who sends a flood to wipe out all of humanity, bar a small remnant, we find that pretty hard to take. You know, we enjoy Paul's letters to the church, just like we enjoyed journeying through Ephesians last year. And we, because it's so relevant to our lives, it's so easy to go, oh yeah, I'm like that. And this is what I can do. And this is how I'm to live the new life in light of Jesus. But when we come to a book like, say, Leviticus, we just don't know what to do with all the laws and the ordinances, the blood and the sacrifices, all the bells and smells. we We don't know what to do with it. We often struggle to make sense of how all these different books and letters fit together, don't we? And this struggle can, and I'll be honest, I'm speaking from experience here over the journey, it can lead us at times to to shut, shut this and just leave it gathering dust on our shelf at home. Has anyone been there before? No one's honest here this morning. (laughs) Now, part of... That's a really dusty Bible, hey? Now, part of the problem we can experience with the Bible comes back to the way we approach the Bible. Yeah? How we engage with and read it. Now, the Bible Project, some of you may be familiar with the Bible Project... 
will be utilising and borrowing from many of their great resources over this year. But they have a fantastic podcast as part of their Paradigm series called How Do You Read the Bible? And in it, they list three common ways that we come and approach God's Word. We engage with God's Word. And the first is, the first is we commonly engage with God's Word as a theology dictionary. The second, as a moral handbook or rule book. And the third, as a devotional grab bag. Let me explain very, very quickly. So first, it's common for us to, to engage with God's Bible, the, the Word, as a theology dictionary. Who, when they come to read God's Word, are often looking for answers to questions? Yeah? We all, we all are. It contains, it contains the answers to, to life itself. You know, what's the purpose of life? Who is God? What is evil? What's good? How should we do church? How should we gather together? How do I make sense of suffering and evil? How can Jesus possibly be fully human and yet still fully God? What is the Trinity? How does that even work? How should I pray? Is it wise to invest in crypto? You know, these are all valid questions and they're all questions that can be answered directly from God's word bar the last one. That one can't be answered. But, you know, this, this kind of approach, looking at the entire council of scripture, looking at what it says about certain theological topics, it's known as systematic theology. It's, it's a real gift to the church, something of real benefit. It is, and there's also some issues with it. One of the issues with this approach to reading the Bible is that if it's the only way we engage with God's Word, is that we can all too easily approach Scripture like it's some kind of encyclopedia or a dictionary, just coming to it or looking to it when we have specific questions that we're looking for specific answers for. And by doing this, we also risk not letting the Bible speak for itself. You know, tell us what's what in the world. Tell us what life is all about. Tell us about God's big story. And we can then be clouded to its teaching because we come with our own categories on it. Does that make sense? We come with our own minds and thinking of what it should say and then because we do, sometimes we miss what it's actually saying to us and revealing to us. Because after all, the Bible is a message. It's a story. The whole Bible in and of itself. Now, hear me here. It's not bad to come to Scripture looking for answers to questions that we have. None of these approaches are bad at all. But if this is the only way we engage with Scripture, as Tim Mackey puts it in the Bible Project podcast, he says, when this becomes the sole way we see and engage with the Bible, we run the risk of missing other purposes intended by the biblical authors that don't fit into a systematic category. The best systematic theologians first seek to understand passages of Scripture in their original context and then derive theological principles from that understanding. Does that make sense? So to discover the fullness and the wonder of Scripture, we need to go deeper 
than engaging with God's word, just as a theology dictionary. Second, it's common for us to engage with the Bible as a moral handbook or a rule book. Now, the Bible does contain many rules, does say a lot to say about what it, what it is to live a life that pleases God and all those sort of things, for sure. The issue is if we approach the Bible as a moral handbook or rule book before too long, we're going to get really, really confused, aren't we? We'll take on face some values, like love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, lean not on your mouth. You know, we'll take, we'll take that on, face value. And then others will approach differently or even completely disregard altogether. Like some of you might be thinking, well, I quite like eating shellfish. Thank you very much. I don't want to follow that rule, but I'll follow that other one. We'll read what appears to be God. Sometimes with this approach, we can read what it appears to be God telling us to do one thing in one part of Scripture and then find another passage of Scripture where it seems that he's saying the exact, completely opposite thing. Yeah? Now, this approach, naturally, it leads to confusion for us as Christians and it's one of the main criticisms that sceptics have against the Word of God. They're like, oh, it's full of contradictions. Here God tells you to do this, and then here God tells you to do this. It's contradicting itself. So if we're coming at it and just thinking about it as a rule book, that's one of the challenges and one of the problems that we might face. You know, what moral guidelines should we actually follow for today? Some of them? All of them? Just the ones we want to? What about boiling something in its mother's milk? Like, do we need to worry about that? Or what, what's going on there? Now, as I said, Scripture does contain many teachings about morality, how to live lives that, that please and honour and worship God really beautifully. And it does contain rules, but the Bible is not primarily a rule book, as Tim Mackey explains. A rule book tells people what to do and leaves it at that. Wisdom literature, like the Bible, is designed to form certain kinds of people who need fewer rules because the convictions expressed by those rules have become a part of their character. Yeah? You know, to discover the fullness of the wonder of Scripture, we need to go deeper than engaging with God's Word merely as a moral handbook. Okay. With me? Third, it's common for us to engage with this beautiful thing, the Bible, as a devotional grab bag. You know, sometimes we're good at doing this, aren't we? Speak to me, God. Speak to me, God. And then we go, oh, yeah, you shall surely die. Gee, that's encouraging. <laughs> I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. The possessions of his house will be carried away, dragged off in the day of God's wrath. Far out. That's encouraging. You know, we're, we're good at doing that. We, we keep flicking and flicking until eventually we land on a passage that, that makes us feel good. And then we go, oh, yeah, I like that. I can, I can um, deal with that if that's how God kind of, that's what God's like. I'm, I'm happy about that. I'll, I'll put those other ones to, to one side, don't we? You know, some, we look sometimes, we can do it, either even in just focusing on a great devotion, because devotions are great, often just looking at a few passages of Scripture and 
they're really encouraging and they're good. But the danger is we miss out on, on all the, the rest of the counsel of Scripture if we're just focusing on that one thing. You know, the problem with that naturally can lead us to having a skewed understanding of the bigger picture story or message of God's Word. And as a result of that, we can actually then have a skewed understanding of God himself and, and the, our place in God's story as well, if that's all we ever do. Do you know what I mean? And that, if we do that, if that's all we do, we kind of miss the wonder and the majesty of the big story of Scripture. So to discover the fullness, we need to go deeper than merely engaging with God's word as a devotional grab bag. Now, hear me here, and this is really important. Hear my heart. No one would question the heart behind any of these three approaches. They're valid ways to engage with God's word. They are valid ways to engage with God's word, and each of them do have their time and place. Yeah? The thing is, if our reading of the Bible is limited to any one or all of these paradigms, a paradigm is just a way of, a way of seeing and interacting with something. So if our, if our reading of the Bible is limited to one or all of these paradigms, we're actually likely missing the big picture. We're missing the central message or the thrust of Scripture all the way from Genesis through Revelation. You're going to hear me say this over and over and over again this year. The Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. The Bible, the entire Scripture from Genesis through Revelation is one big story that's all about Jesus. Every single letter, every single story, every single piece of wisdom, literature, song, poem, everything, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 16, the Apostle Paul explains the purpose of Scripture the entire biblical account. He says that it's to make us wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All of scripture is breathed out by God and is designed by God to make us wise for salvation in who? In Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. At this particular time in history, when the passage was written, Paul here He's not referring to the New Testament gospels or any of the New Testament letters. He's actually referring to the Old Testament. Paul's referring to his scriptures of his day being the Old Testament. Paul's reminding Timothy that the Old Testament was pointing directly to Jesus 
and the coming salvation that he would usher in for all who would trust in the Saviour. The Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. And in Luke chapter 24, 13 to 27, we won't read it all now, but this is the passage when Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection, before they realised that it was him, and they were chatting and about all the amazing things that had happened over the last few days in Jerusalem with his capture, his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And Jesus helps his disciples to make this exact connection too. He made, helped them to see that every single thing that they've seen and heard are actually all about him. And how did he do that? What was the way that he chose to do that? By opening and interpreting the scriptures. Luke 24, 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer that these things and enter into his glory? Here's the key. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What the prophets spoke over many years, Jesus fulfilled. Jesus himself is testifying here that the whole known scripture to that point the scriptures that these guys memorized from the time they could basically toddle off around something, these scriptures were all pointing to him. This is what Jesus is saying. And the whole known scriptures at this point, yet again, we're not talking about the New Testament, we're talking about the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, all of this, guys, all of this that you've seen, all these crazy events that you've seen over the last few days... Here I am. It's all about me. I'm the one, the promised one from long ago. I am here and the work is done. This is what Jesus is saying. The Bible is a big, one big story. That's all about Jesus. It's all about me, he's saying. And through the entire Bible, we see God's story go on a progression. You might have seen this before, another variation of it, some movements of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. You know, in creation, we understand, isn't that one? So I love the creation account. God made everything. God existed before anything was even there. He made everything and it was good. And then God made mankind. And what did he say? This is very good. Man and creation, they were fully united with God. Heaven and earth were literally, at that point in time, joined together. There was no distinction. There was no separation. It was Eden. It was perfection. Man and God in intimate relationship as it had always meant to be. And humans were given an incredible mandate to rule alongside God, presiding over all his creation and caring for it. Isn't that incredible? And so then... The story, the movement moves on to Genesis 3 in the fall. And in the fall, mankind willingly chose to walk independently of God. They chose to rebel, chose to stand against God and his ways. 
And because they did, they severed relationship with God. Sin entered a perfect world and stained it, tarnished it. Rebellion, which as 1 John 3, 4 describes sin, can be, can be described as lawlessness. That's what sin is, being a law unto ourselves, standing against God in our actions and our hearts. Sin, for me, the way I look at sin, sin's where we have a heart that is opposed to the love of God and is reoriented to the love of self, really, because we think we know best, we're going to look out for ourselves, I'll look after other people, but only if it doesn't compromise me and my well-being and all that sort of thing, a heart that's reoriented to the love of self. And then we see the entire thrust of Scripture in every single book, in every single passage from and story and wisdom literature, all the stuff from Genesis 3 on God's plans to redeem humanity playing out. God's plans to redeem humanity playing out over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's redemption. And these are times of great joy and despair as mankind tries to reconnect and make things right once again with God. And God continues to faithfully reach out time and time again, knowing that they've fallen before, they're likely to fall again, but I'm still going to reach out to them. I love them that much. I am passionate about my creation. But separation continues because of mankind's choice, continual choice to sin. And this period builds up and up and up and up and up until we hit a crescendo that culminates at a cross with a second Adam, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, having lived fully human and fully worshipping God, never rebelling, never turning away from his Father, when Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. He who had no sin, Jesus had no sin, he was able to take the punishment for our sins. And he died as that perfect sacrifice that was required. And that is redemption. And finally, and this is the incredible thing for anyone, any one of us who would find freedom and hope in relationship with Jesus, because of Jesus' atoning death, because of his triumphant resurrection into new life, all those who would desire to worship God once again, who'd turn from a love of self to a love of God, can receive Jesus' sacrifice as payment for their own sins and can enter into new life for all eternity. New life or new creation. Friends, that is a very, very quick summary of the big story of Scripture. God has been and is right now and will be until he decides it is time to send his son back again. He will continue to make all things new through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And even when Jesus comes back again, he'll still be making all things new when he returns. The Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. And this year, this year, together as a church community, we are going to take an exciting and deep 
journey into God's word to discover this to be true for ourselves. Over the course of 2022, we're going to grow in our own love for God by coming to understand and experience the Bible, God's holy word, as one big story that's all about Jesus. So how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to share Sunday morning messages that move right through the entire story of the Bible that help us to do just this, to understand that these aren't just random things thrown together. They're not just things that kind of, you know, don't really make sense or whatever, that there's this beautiful thread all through Scripture, that it's one story pointing to Jesus. We're going to share messages that excite us, that challenge us to the deepest parts of our core, that keep bringing us back again and again and again to the wonder of the gospel and the practical application of God's word to our everyday lives. That's what we're going to do on a Sunday morning messages. And as you saw earlier with that video we checked out, the Liberty Kids, they're joining us on this journey too. As we saw, they're, they're going to be using the Jesus Storybook Bible curriculum to go deeper in experiencing God's love, deeper in understanding the gospel and deeper in understanding, as the curriculum says, that the Bible is full of stories and all of them whisper his name, whisper Jesus' name. And our older children, our older children are going to be doing that journey as well in BCC on a Sunday morning. The creche are going to also be doing that journey on a Sunday morning, which is super exciting. And also Liberty Youth are going to be doing that journey in different ways as well. So quite literally, we've got a whole, a whole church uh, focus on this this year. And this journey will not only, it won't end there. We're not just going to do it on a Sunday because who knows, Sundays aren't everything. They're one day of the week. They're great. They're fantastic, but there's six other days too. We're, we're going to embrace and go on this journey together in connect groups as well. This year, we're, we're going to be resourcing connect groups more than we ever have before. And we're going to provide some really engaging content that lines up, aligns with the messages shared on the previous Sunday to help us go deeper in that journey, to help us go deeper in our faith as we explore and come to appreciate how the Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. So let me say it again. If you are not in a connect group, this is the time to join one. We are about to head back in line with the school terms. Many of the groups are meeting up once again. This is the time to get connected in. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. You can put your name down there and you can be linked in with one. And as I said Last week, we're also super keen to see some new groups planted in Hillsville, in Lilydale, over the other side of the valley as well. So, you know, if you can serve in our church by facilitating a connect group, please come and have a chat with me. As I said last week, it's really simple in terms of facilitation. All you need is to have, be the, have the resources that I'm going to give you each week, have a heart to open up your home and be welcoming to people, be willing to put the kettle on and get some Tim Tams or other delicious something and then just start a conversation. That's what's involved with leading a connect group this year. So if that's you, come and have a chat. I'd love to, or put your name down and then tick that box. I'd like to know more about facilitating. 
Now, let me just stress too, in order to do this journey through the whole Bible, naturally there's going to be a whole lot of things that we're not going to do, yeah? Because who knows that some churches spend years going through even just one of the Gospels, yeah? There's a guy called John MacArthur, I think, he took three years to go through one Gospel book, verse by verse, preaching through it. So we're not going to be doing that. We're not going to be doing a whole lot of things. We're not going to be providing an answer to every difficult topic. We're not going to touch on every single biblical story in detail. Instead, we're going to take a big picture view of Scripture, looking at the overarching message and themes inherent in God's Word and its real and continued powerful application to our hearts and our lives today. Mostly, we'll be taking a 30,000-foot overview of different books and themes in Scripture, and we'll come to the Bible as tourists to the text. What do I mean when I say that? Well, what do we do when we come as a tourist to a, another part of the world like Queensland or um, Tasmania? Oh, that's really rude. Sorry if you're Queenslander or Tasmania. Um, what do we do if we come... When, when we can travel and go overseas, what's a good thing to do as a tourist? Go to an information centre. That is a good thing to do. You know, one of the things, one of the things that Laura and I, when we had the, the privilege of going to visit the founding pastors of this church over in Haiti many, many years ago, we, we made sure that when we went to Haiti that we weren't doing a whole lot of things that we weren't going to Haiti thinking that we already knew everything there was to know about Haiti. We went to Haiti very careful and very conscious of our own Western ways of viewing things so that we wouldn't impose our own thinking onto something there and therefore do away something of great value just because it doesn't necessarily gel well with our minds or our brains or our way of seeing the world. Does that make sense? You know, when we come to... We didn't sort of have preconceived ideas. We didn't want to impose our culture and values on it. But really, we came to Haiti with open hearts, open minds, because we wanted Haiti to speak for itself, to speak to us, to show us a different perspective, a different way, and to learn from it ourselves. So this is kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying we're going to come to the text as tourists. We're going to come to the Bible as tourists. I'm encouraging all of us as best we can because who knows, we always have a lens through which we see things. We always have a bent or a way that we see things. But what I'm saying is, as best we can, come on this journey with us as tourists who are willingly and who joyfully immerse themselves in learning and understanding the message that God intends from his scriptures that that God intends his scriptures to bring to all who open them, rather than coming to the Bible with our own thoughts about what it should say to us. Does that make sense? So in short, in short, this year we're going to dig into God's word and allow it to speak to us, minister to us, provide wisdom to us, and lead us in our daily lives, transforming us as we together gain a renewed vision renewed vision for the greatest story ever told. Now, you might be thinking, well, this sounds good, sounds 
intriguing, maybe even a bit exciting. But why is this journey so important? Why is this journey so important for us as a church? Why would you even think about devoting potentially the entire year to a journey like this? Well, just think for a moment on our vision statement as a church. It's this. We see Hillsville, the Yarra Valley and beyond transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Raises lots of questions, doesn't it? Well, what is the love of Jesus Christ? Why do people need to be transformed by that love? And why do we desire this? Why do we invest so much of our energies and our finances and our talents in seeing this particular thing realized? Why? Simply because we have encountered God's beautiful invitation to new life in him, revealed through his scripture, and we long to see other people come to experience this for themselves. You know, in order to tell the story, we need to know the story in order to share the story with others, don't we? What about our mission? Loving God, loving others. This short statement, it communicates a worldview, a way of seeing and understanding the world and our part to play in it. To have this as our mission, what we're saying is that we want to love God and we actually want to love others. But where does that want come from? Where does the want come from? It comes from experiencing and encountering God's beautiful story. That's where it comes from. It comes from encountering and experiencing this story of redemption and new creation through the scriptures and desiring for others to join us in that joy that it's brought us in his word. The joy of being, as N.T. Wright would put it, more fully human, more fully human, which is most beautifully and ultimately only ever truly experienced through being reunited with our Father God. And here's the thing, we can only, we can only fulfill the vision and the mission that Jesus calls us to fulfill as Liberty Family Church, whether that be on our individual level or corporately as a church community, if we understand the wonder of what God has actually revealed to us and continues to reveal and continues to promise will one day come about through the Scriptures. Friends, my heart, the elders' heart in this journey is that this would be a truly exciting year for us as we dig deep together. We're not taking this journey to become Bible nerds. We're not taking this journey to get spiritually fat and be able to sort of have it all together or something like that. We don't want to be puffed up with knowledge. We're aiming that through this journey that we become captivated again and again and again and again by the wonder of the gospel and the goodness of God as we sung about this morning and that that would be the very thing that would propel us to live lives beyond a Sunday. That that would be the thing, our fuel that would help us to live lives beyond the Sunday so that other people might also come to be captivated by this same God and his invitation into fullness of life 
and loving relationship with the Father. That is the heart in all of this. So I want to ask us all a question here this morning. Will you, will you commit to a deeper worship of God by experiencing his word together as one big story that's all about Jesus this year? Will you joyfully and wholeheartedly jump all in and join us on this exciting journey as we explore God's word and continue week in, week out to marvel at the wonder of the gospel and the goodness of God? The Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. And we're going to discover that to be true. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal that in deeper ways to each of our hearts as truth, as sure thing to base our very lives on throughout the course of this year in fresh and exciting ways. Man, it is going to be a fun journey together this year. It's going to be so much fun. I'll give you some takeaways in a minute, but I just want to pause right now. We've been talking about the Bible being one big story that's all about Jesus. I just want us to focus in right now and share communion together as we reflect on the, the reality that everything, everything in all of Scripture points to Jesus. Jesus is the center of life itself. Jesus is life itself. And Jesus, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, has made life possible for anyone who would trust in him as well. So let's just take a moment right now to allow Holy Spirit just to speak to our hearts about Jesus being the center, the Bible being one big story that's all about Jesus. And then we're actually going to celebrate Jesus together as we share in communion. So let's just take a moment to reflect. Um, Maybe we can do that as we come and collect our elements because we need to do that at this time. So let's let's just quietly reflect and come and receive our elements and then sit back down and then I'll, I'll pray for us as we receive the elements together. Thanks, guys.